You're listening to Direction for Life broadcast with Drs. Herbert and Marsha Bailey. For more information, visit rightdirection.info. We hope you enjoy today's broadcast. Today's message is Proof of Desire by Bishop Herbert Bailey. Proof of Desire, you can call it pursuit or pursuing. Because, the, and I'm using this as a backdrop because this is David expressing his passion for God, for God's presence, and being in the presence of the Lord. So he says, it's the one thing I desire. And what he's saying here, he's saying, over all the things that I can desire in, in the earth, and, and we know that David loved the Lord like this, because he even wrote scriptures that said, well, we know now scriptures. He says, um, I, have, I have extolled your word, exalted your word over my necessary food. He said, your word is even more important to me than eating. Somebody said, nah, I don't know nothing that's more important than eating. But David loved the, loved, loved the word of God. He said, and it, it's, it's David who described the word as being sweeter and God being sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. This man had a passionate relationship with the Lord. You know, we have, we have some friends and uh, I've, y'all mentioned, I've told y'all, I mentioned to them, I've mentioned them on a, whenever Pastor Marsha and I around them, they are always, they're always holding hands. I don't care where, any given time. They, and if we're having dinner with them, um, you know, he, when he gets up, if he, he's going to the restroom, he, uh, before, when he gets up, he kisses me. Anyway, when he gets up, he gives her a kiss. He'll go to the restroom, wash his hand. When he comes back to the table, he'll give her another kiss before he sits down. They just, they just so, they just so sweet. They just so, they just so in love, so in love, so in love. Sometimes you're like, oh God. You're like, is, is it all that? That's how most of us would be with David's relationship with the Lord. Like really, he's over the top. He's he was he, like they, in terms of how David expressed his love for the Lord, his passion for God. David did the most. I mean, that's what his that's what his wife felt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, when he he came, when he got that ark back, which represents the presence of the Lord. Being back in Jerusalem, he danced till he was undignified. He wasn't caring about anybody else. He he you know he, he came out of his garments. I don't believe he was indecent to the point of being uh, uh, profane or, or being overexposed or being, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, indecent exposure. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it was to that, but in her mind, it was too much for a king. Right, right. I mean, a king, you got to maintain and retain a certain amount of dignity. But when it came to his relation with the Lord, he didn't care what people thought. So thus he could say one thing. Have a, have a, I desire of that will I seek after, meaning I will go after, I will pursue, I will pursue my relationship with the Lord. The praise team saying, saying tonight, I'm chasing after you. We talked about being a God chaser. David was the ultimate God chaser. And, we, and the proof of desire is pursuit. Whatever you desire, you're going to have to pursue it just like David pursued God. Okay, and so we've told you over these last several weeks that it's not your ideas and lofty ideas, high dreams alone that's going to change the conditions of your life. It's pursuing. It's action that brings about results. Action. And the word pursuit, it means to act, to pursue means, or, or pursuit is the act or action of going after something. 
You think of pursuit, you, the question arises, how bad do you want it? Because plans mean nothing without pursuing. Purpose is meaningless without pursuing. Passion, when all the passion is useless without pursuing. Then I even said even, your, even prayer, prayer is ineffective without you then pursuing what God tells you to do when you pray and you get direction from the Lord. So then I start talking about things that keep us from pursuing, going after the things that we say we desire or that God tells us to go after, to complete, to do, to accomplish. And number one, we said that's excuses. And we saw how Moses made excuses. When God tells Moses to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go, I've seen the afflicts of my people. And he starts saying, well, listen, I, I, I can't talk. I'm slow with speech, even though Acts 4 says he was an eloquent man. Um, he says... But God, God said, listen, who made the man, who made man's mouth? Who, makes, who made the person who's dumb, the person who's deaf, the person who sees, the person who's blind? In other words, God said, you don't need to tell me about your conditions, your limitations. Whatever limitations you have, whatever inadequacies you have, I already knew them when I called you. That's good. Yeah. Let me say that again. Whatever inadequacies, whatever uh, deficiencies you have or think you have, God knew it when he called you. It's not like God, God, God calls you and then says, oh man, I should have, I, I, I should have interviewed them a little better. <laughs> I asked them, I should have asked such and such a question before I, before I called them or appointed them to do this. Okay. God doesn't have to interview us. <laughs> he already knows us. He knows us. He, as, as Bishop Baby said to me, boy, you know, older people said, boy, I, I knew you. He used to say, I knew you before you were born. And what, what the, when people say that, old people, they mean, I, they mean I, I knew you when your mother was pregnant with you. Okay? I remember when your mother was carrying you. Well, sure, God goes back further than that. God, as, as, I, as I heard Bishop Jake say one time, God, God, God knew you before your, grandmother, before your grandfather ever saw your grandmother at the church picnic and said, can, can we go for a walk? <laughs> he knows all about us. And he still calls us. You don't have to try to make any excuses. What you don't have, what you, don't, what you can't do, he already knows you. That's what he tells Jeremiah. Before I formed you, Jeremiah 1 and 5. Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Before you came out of the womb, I sanctified you. So no, no more. everybody said no more excuses. No more excuses. Second thing we said I caused you to not pursue is being lazy. Lazy. Bishop Bailey used to say when I was a kid, he said, boy, you got a, you got a lazy streak in you a mile wide. He said that. That's a bad confession. It's horrible. Yeah. Was it true? No, it wasn't true. Would you say it was true? It wasn't true. That's your story. He said, you got a lazy streak in your mile wide. I didn't even know what that meant until I, <laughs> till I was grown. So you had kids. Mm-hmm. Then I saw that lazy streak. <laughs> Show back up again. About miles wide. <laughs> okay. But laziness, it, it causes you to only do what you feel like doing. Mm. There were people who would come. They they had in their mind they were gonna come to church tonight, but then they saw the rain, changed their minds. They just didn't feel like it. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Th- th- this th- this just for us. They ain't even gonna see us. This just for us. They ain't nobody gonna see us streaming. How many of us here tonight? And we didn't feel like it. All y'all, Jesus. <laughs> y'all some faithful folks. Boy. They love the Lord. Good Lord. I spent maybe five hands ago. <laughs> All of us. None of them feel like being here. <laughs> but y'all honest though. Mm. 
But, but that's, that's discipline. When you're disciplined, you do things even when you don't feel like it. A lot of people don't understand. You know, people, people think because we do ministry and because we worship leaders or because we do whatever, we always feel like being in church. No, we don't feel like being here. Some, sometimes we want to be here less than y'all to do too. That's why we like, if y'all ain't showing why we need to come. <laughs> okay? But when you're disciplined, you learn to not just do what you feel like doing. People who only do what you feel like doing will never accomplish greatness. You're going to have to learn to do what you don't feel like. That's discipline. Mm-hmm. You got to make this body do what it's supposed to do, not what it feels like doing. Laziness keeps you, it keeps you sitting on your do-nothing when you ought to be doing something. Okay? And let me remind you a couple of these lazy scriptures. <laughs> There's several of them. But let me go real quick. Proverbs 13 and 4. There's a couple of words that the scripture uses for lazy, and that is sluggard and slothful. Okay? And you put those together, you get trifling. <laughs> being sluggish plus being slothful cause you to be trifling. Okay? Proverbs 13, 4 says, The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing. He lazy, always desiring. I said to someone, I was talking to someone today. I said, let me tell you something. I said, and this, this bears repeating for many of us who what I call first generation crossover people. Like you're the first one who came to a place of really not having a lack in your life. You're the first, you're the, one of the first ones in your family to come to a place of, of having more than enough, of being established without struggling. Y'all know what I'm talking about, okay? And so sometimes those of us who are those people in our families, we can, we can feel a little guilty. Okay, you, gotta, you feel guilty that everybody ain't where you are. Or, or, or you let your family members make you feel guilty. Like, well, you got a house, and you got this, and you got two cars, and, you got, and, and I had to work for all of this. Didn't fall out the sky. And then I said something else tonight, too. I was talking to someone. It made me think. I never said this before. I said, and not only that, you in the kingdom of God. I said, you are not entitled to make non-kingdom people live like kingdom people. Whoa. You, are not, you are not required to, make, to bring non-kingdom people who have, not reje- who have rejected Jesus, not accepted Jesus, not lived by his word up to your level of living, which you got as a reward for your faithfulness to God. You are not obligated to bring everybody else up there. That is good. That's good. And I said to them, I said, I said, you do what God leads you to do. I said, and you, and you know, and you help as God tells you. I said, but you are not obligated to give everybody else your lifestyle. Are y'all listening to me? Because sometimes they're just sluggards. They desire, but they have nothing. They desire. The proof of desire is what? Pursuit. So, but the soul, the diligent shall be made fat or increased. Proverbs 13, 4, that verse from New Living Translation says, lazy, lazy people want much, but get little. They want much, but get what? Little. But those who work hard are going to prosper. Proverbs 20, 12 and 27, the, uh, it says the slothful man, and this, this, this is really trifling here. <laughs> the slothful man roasted not that which he took in honey. You went hunting, now you're too lazy to cook what you got. That's trifling. 
The slothful man roasted not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. Proverbs 20 and 4, again, the sluggard. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. It's cold, baby. It's cold outside. But you got to go to work anyway. Even during the winter. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. In other words, conditions are favorable. Therefore, he shall beg in harvest and have nothing. Y'all see these scriptures? And then that, that verse from the New Living Translation says, those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. You got food because you plow. Okay? Now, and I get it. Everyone does not have the same opportunities as other people because of family situations, help, whatever. But some of y'all know when it comes to, that may, be, that may apply generally to the world, but some of y'all, that don't necessarily apply with your family members because some of them had the same opportunities you did. Came out of the same house, had the same mother and the same father and the same conditions and you decided to do something and they decided not to. I know, I know this seems hard for y'all because I know where I'm at. I'm in the family reunion capital of the world, South Carolina. And when you start talking about not, not just be doing everything for, for family members, I know y'all say that's just because he, he, you know, he from up north, you know, they don't help nobody. They just mean like that. They don't help nobody. I'm telling you, I've seen, and then, I, then I've seen people, I've seen people come for benevolence, wanting the church help them because they took all their money to help their trifling family members. That's just lack of wisdom. Amen. Amen. All right, let me move on because for your leave since you didn't want to be here anyway. The third thing that keeps people from pursuing is pride. We start talking about pride. Um, pride makes you think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. So, you, because sometimes God tells you to pursue something, but in order to pursue, you got to come from down from up here and do it down here because everything that's big starts small. God tells you to pursue something, but you got this lofty job and this lofty title. Or, and and I, something I said today at noon, you got a, you got a big money title. <laughs> but some of these companies they won't give you the money but they give you a big title it, with that title it sounds like you make a lot of money you're the director of what yeah so they give you a big money title and now you start wearing your title like a badge of honor but God tells you to pursue something else but you ain't going to have that title you're going to be a sole proprietor but your pride of this title Makes you want to hold on rather than pursue what God tells you to pursue. Okay, uh, y'all heard me tell you in March, March seventh, nineteen ninety six. I got fired. Okay, not that I remember. <laughs> from 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 Signal uh, Property and Casualty, um, but the Lord the Lord was telling me to come off the job and all that. But as I you know, sometimes when you go through things. You also need to go back and retrace your steps. Everybody, I don't care, because it's easy to always just sound like you're the victim. They, 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 they. They, 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 they. Yes, you got fired, but were you doing your job? Was your attitude good? 
Okay, so so I so when I went back and I started looking at things, I said, "How did this happen? How did you know different things?" And yeah, I, that one that one day I I lost my temper, I'm slamming the phone down and everything. Okay, but but it was even beyond that. The Lord showed me that I was wearing my my job position like a badge of honor. Okay, so if I met somebody who was even I was I started the church, I was a pastor then. But if, so if I met a Christian. Or another pastor, I would say, oh, I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor of Right Direction Church, Right Direction Christian Center. If I met a business person, oh, I'm the, I'm the claim manager for, for, for Sigma Casualty Insurance. Are you you're seeing what I'm saying here? And so I was wearing that like a badge. Okay? And you can't, I don't care how great your job is, how, bad your, how great your title is. The Bible said, let him that glory, glory in that he knows me. Don't, don't, get, don't become all, get your head all in the clouds because you have these bougie, cushy, cushy jobs because they're not loyal. And you got to wear it like a loose garment if God tells you to pursue something else. Mm-hmm. Amen? So pride makes you think you can't do that. It keeps you from pursuing. You think certain roles, responsibilities are beneath you. You'd be surprised how many people won't serve in church because of what they do out there. Because wow. what they do out there how am I going to be an usher? I'm this on my job. Parking lot. I'm working the parking lot. Work with ch- the, the children's church? Mm. Mm. You want me to work with children's church? Well, I, uh, but but I, I, I do seminars for Fortune 500 companies. And you don't realize you humbling yourself with children's church will, might, might put you in a position for God to really bless you and blow your mind financially. But again, that pride will keep us from, as the Bible says, even condescending to men of lower estate. So you have to say, you have to question must be asked, how badly do you want it? Are you willing to humble yourself? Remember, Naaman, I mentioned this to another pastor who called me this afternoon and asked me a question about something. I gave him an example about Naaman. Naaman's pride almost caused him to die leper. If he didn't humble himself, and it was, a, it was one, of his, one of his servants one of his subordinates who said, come on, master, if the man asked you to do something big, wouldn't you do that? Won't you just humble yourself? And all the man asked you to do is just dip in the water seven times. What you got to lose? And he humbled himself enough to dip. And I always say that word dipping there is an example for us saying that sometimes you got to go down. You got to bring yourself, lower yourself down a few notches in order for God to bless you, in order for you to pursue. All right. So let, let's go a little, a little bit further with this part here regarding pride because if, what I want to talk about tonight is that this whole thing about pride, it will make you too people conscious. Pride makes you people conscious. In other words, you're always, you can't do what God tells you to do or even led because you're always thinking about what other people are going to say. Mm. One of the things that God tells Paul, I believe it's in Acts I think it's Acts 26. I think he's standing before Agrippa. And he tells Agrippa about his whole encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road. And he tells him, let me see if I can, he's you know, about being knocked off his beast and all of that, how light shined from heaven. And Jesus spoke to him and said, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. But then he also says this. Um, 
Here we go. Acts 26 and verse 17. Paul says that Jesus said to him, I'm delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. Now, you got to look at, he said, I'm delivering you from the people. The people now was talking about his Jewish people from the Jewish religion that he'd been growing up. He said, I'm delivering you, which means I'm separating you from them. But then he also said, even though I'm sending you to the Gentiles, I'm also separating you from the Gentiles, the ones I'm now sending you to. In other words, no, he said, in order for you to do what God I'm telling you to do, you got to be my man. And not so connected to people that you don't fulfill what I tell you to do. Because there were times when both of them, the Gentiles, they didn't understand what he was saying and doing. And surely the Jews thought he was crazy. And he said, I, and so there comes a point where you have to recognize I'm God's man. I'm God's woman. I'm going to go deeper. More than I'm a black man, I'm God's man. More than I'm, more, more than I'm a northerner or southerner or an American, I'm God's man. Now, I know that's a little deep for some of y'all, but Christianity and your relationship with Jesus ought to be your primary identity. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Now, I, I'm, 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 I'm black. I thank God I'm black. Okay? You can look at his lips and his nose. See, I'm black. Okay? Um, and and, 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 and I, I grew up here in James Brown. Say it loud! Ha! Only three... Let's try it again. Say it loud. Huh. I'm black and I'm proud. Yeah. By the way, I, I saw James Brown about five years old. He came to Jersey City to, to Roosevelt Stadium. Boy, I was, I, I was, oh. I, said, I got rubber shoes on. I, I, I said, do it just like him. Yeah. Okay. Black and I'm proud. Glad, glad to be an American. Glad to be black and all that. But my, but what the, the identity that I hold on more than more than anything else that I'm a, I'm a Jesus man. Amen. Amen. I am a Christian. Now that affects everything else. And Paul, God tells Paul, I know you're a Jew, but I'm delivering you from them. And though I'm though you're preaching to the Gentiles, don't get so connected to them that you start pleasing them either. You got to please me. I don't know who, who that word is to, okay? But this pride thing makes you too people conscious. And then it also makes you start comparing yourself to other people. The Lord told me to tell y'all in this lesson, you don't have to be as good as anyone else. You only need to be as good as God created you to be. That's so you don't have to be as good as anybody else. I don't have to preach as good as anybody else. But what I need to do is maximize my potential. Amen. I was I was saying this. So I was I think I was I was we were giving it going clubhouse and I was downstairs in my man cave. Pastor Marshall told me it's sexist. <laughs> it's sexist. That's all right. I, it got a sign of this as man cave. So the kitchen, and I told her, the, the kitchen told her, is a woman cave. Said, you, you, you're nobody, not allowed said, in there. Not supposed to be down here unless escorted by man. <laughs> That's what he said, y'all. <laughs> but I had the TV on down there, and I think the voice was on. Mm-hmm. And this young lady was singing. Now, I don't know. I don't know Ariana Grande that that well, or know much about her music. Any other she's a cute girl, whatever. I don't know much about her music. And so um, this young lady was singing, 
and she had this whistle, you know, you know, the thing Mariah Carey does, the real loud, I mean, the real high kind of thing. And, and Ariana Grande, she, she immediately turned around, and she, but first she said to um, Blake, she said, she sounds like me. She sounds like me. And then when she turned around, she said, she said, oh, you have a beautiful voice, you have beautiful wrists, you have such control. She says, and, and I, I heard you, I guess it was her song, she said, you, she, said, she said, you sound, I heard you, you whistle, you sound just like me. She said, but I would love to be your coach and help you find your own voice. That's so good. Y'all aren't hearing me here. She said, I know that's, that's great to sound like somebody else, but I would love to be your coach and help you find your own voice. There's already Ariana Grande. There's already a Beyonce. There's already a Sean Bigby. Okay? Whomever. Why are you trying to be like somebody else? I mean, you can learn. You can adapt certain things from other people and, 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 and let them mentor you to some degree. And you can learn certain principles. But you cannot mimic people and expect God to bless you and anoint you. He, he anoints you, not who you're trying to be. He can't anoint who you're trying to be. He wants to anoint you. He wants to use you. Who are you? Right. That's so good. Because, you know, there's no room for two of the same people. If, if there's, we say, someone said this, if any two people think exactly alike, one of you is unnecessary. Right, right. So if God called, you know, like we, we have people that we esteem very highly, but God called them to do a particular thing. In their particular way, if we try to be exactly like them, then we we really not seen because God called them to do that, and so therefore there's no really need for you for impact because they are impacting the what God's called them to do the way He they are doing it. So when you are exactly like somebody else, there's no room for you and no reason for you. Pursuit is the act or action of going after something. If we really desire something, we pursue it. In this teaching, Bishop Herbert Bailey shows us things that can keep us from pursuing God like we should be. To order this message, call 877-798-5433 or order online at www.rightdirection.info. Just ask for proof of desire. As we continue to socially distance, be sure to stay connected with us online. Stream our services on Facebook and YouTube, as well as rdci.info via the Watch Live tab. Sunday morning services are at 7.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on YouTube, Facebook, and our website. Wednesday Bible study airs at 12 noon and 7 p.m. Friday, women's Bible study airs at 12 noon via Facebook Live. Consider connecting with us as a partner or an iChurch member. More information about our partnership and iChurch member services can be found on our website at rdci.info. For consistent updates and encouragement, connect with us on social media through Facebook at Right Direction Church International and on Twitter and Instagram at the RDCI. Right Direction Ministries, transforming lives and impacting generations.